Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Praise God. God has done such great things. So many wonderful testimonies of people's bodies being straightened out after last, last night. People heard the word, made some adjustments, and uh, he's on the move. Amen. I got news for you. God's on the move. He's, he's not idle. There's nothing idle about God. You know, you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He was hovering. He was moving over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And that's all that hovering Holy Spirit needed to hear. He just needed that word to go forth, and he's ready. He's ready to move. He was ready to bring that word to pass. He was just awaiting. But you see, he was, he was just moving, moving, just, just waiting, you know, just like a car engine, just revving. Just revving. That's how I picture him, you know. He's just hovering over the face of the waters. He's looking <clears throat> into this great void. He's looking into this darkness. He's looking into this mess that's down here. Because when you look up the word form and void in the Hebrew, without form and void in the Hebrew, it's this word tohu. That's the Hebrew word. And it means chaos. It means a place of chaos and confusion. So he's hovering over this chaos and confusion. And he's, he's he's revving his engine. He's hovering. He's revving. He's revving. That's how I just kind of picture it. And he's just, he's just waiting to move. He's just waiting to do something. And then God said, hallelujah. And God said again. And God said again, and man, psh, psh, Holy Spirit was on it. He was on it just to move it and bring into pass every word that came from the mouth of God. The Holy Spirit was the one bringing it all to pass. And now God has given us his word. And he's told us to speak his word. He said to us in Mark 11, he said, Jesus said, he said, whatever things, he said, you'll say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. 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 Why? Because the Holy Spirit will back up what you say. When what you say is in line with God's word. When your words line up with God's word... Holy Spirit moves. He makes it all come to pass. Hallelujah. That's why it's so important to be speaking his words, speaking in line with the word of God, because that's what the Holy Spirit responds to. He doesn't respond to your opinions. He doesn't just respond to your feelings. You know, you might feel awful about something. And you might be all upset about something. And you might just say something out of your emotions. But he doesn't respond to our emotions. He's touched by our emotions. The Bible says he's touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. 
He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's touched with what touches us. He hurts when we hurt. The Bible says through the prophet Isaiah, in all his affliction, in, excuse me, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. In all the, in other words, in any time you've ever been afflicted, God took it personally. He felt it. He felt it. See, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came and suffered for us because he suffered seeing mankind suffer. So he came down. He says, I might as well just come down there and I might as well just take all this suffering upon myself, being I'm suffering just watching it. I might as well just take it all upon myself so that I can set these people free from suffering. And that's what Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came to do. He came to earth and he took all our suffering upon himself. He took all our pain upon himself. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, that he took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses by his stripes, by his wounds, by the beatings that he endured. You were healed. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. He became everything that is a curse for us. Why? So that we can be blessed. So that we can be free from the curse. He became a curse for us. He became Everything that is listed under the curse of the law over in Deuteronomy 28 and over in Deuteronomy 28, verse 61, it mentions every sickness and every disease is a part of that curse. Jesus became every sickness and every disease on that cross for you and me so that you and I could be free. He took it all for us. He took it all for us so that you and I would not have to suffer with it anymore. God don't want you suffering. He's touched with your feelings. He hurts when you hurt. But just your hurt alone doesn't move him on your behalf. He needs your words. He needs your faith. Because everything God does, he does legally, not emotionally. He's an emotional God, but he moves legally. You know, just like a good judge. If you went before a judge, you know, he might be moved emotionally, you know, about some crime that somebody committed, but he can't judge according to his emotions. He's got to look at the, at the situation, and he's got to render judgment according to the law. He's got to look at the law, look at what was done, and judge according to the law, even if emotionally he doesn't like it. God's the same way. He does everything legally. He does everything by the book. He does everything by the book because he's a just judge. So he feels what we feel. He cares. He sympathizes with us. Jesus, he can totally sympathize with us because he's become like us. And so now he is, he is touched with what touches us. He hurts when we hurt. But he needs our faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how faith comes. It comes from knowing the word and faith is released by speaking the word. And when you speak the word of God, that's what moves the Holy Spirit into action. Amen? Praise God. So thank God the fire falls today. 
See, we got to get over under faith in that. You can't just say, keep singing it, fire fall, wind come blow, and not receive it. Does, does his fire fall? Yes. Oh, yeah, it was falling this morning. Man, the fire of God was falling in this place this morning. How many people felt the fire of God either this morning or last night? Literally felt the fire of God. I had many people told me that they just felt like they were burning up. They just felt fire in different parts of their body. Some of it was the healing power of God just driving things out of them. Some people were just being revived, refired by the fire of God. But God was manifesting. People were feeling His fire falls. So when we ask for it, we believe we receive it. Amen. You're a fire-falling God. You're a wind-blowing God. See, we see that in the Word of God, don't we? Acts chapter 2 is one place we see. It's not the only place where we see God moving in fire, moving in wind, moving in power like that. But we see it Acts chapter 2 when He poured out His Spirit. I mean, fire came upon those disciples. The wind of God was blowing and thousands of people were added to Him. Thousands of people came running to, to the Lord Jesus and got saved. Hallelujah. Man, how many of you know America and the world needs the fire of God? It needs the fire of God. It needs the wind of God. Amen. But we, we need to be in faith about it and we need to be expecting it even tonight. Let's get more tonight. Let's get more tonight, you know. I, I just can't get enough of him. You know, we're not just, we're not just to get filled up. Uh, he wants our cup to overflow. Right? Isn't that what he says? What is it, Psalm 23? Your cup overfloweth. He wants your cup to overflow. He don't want it just full. He doesn't just, he didn't, oh, they're full. Okay, we'll stop. Now, it will stop if you get satisfied. Now, some people, you know, they get satisfied with a little Dixie cup. You know what I'm talking about? Those little paper, Dixie. Yeah, it is just a little Dixie cup of, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, don't get too much now. Just enough, just enough God there. That's good. That's good. Just a little, just a little God. Just a little sprinkling. Oh, no, no, no. He don't sprinkle. He baptizes. What does that mean? He submerges. Yeah, yeah. He immerses. He immerses people. He submerges people in his presence. Hallelujah. And he wants them just saturated, satiated, overflowing with his goodness, overflowing with his life. My Lord, he wants you intoxicated. What does that mean? He wants you overcome with him. Over, I mean slap happy drunk. I got news for you. There's slap happy drunk in heaven. There's nobody in heaven right now depressed. Nobody's in heaven depressed right now. Nobody's in heaven just, just walking around with their heads hung. No, man, you know they're not. You know that. I mean, I'm not there right now, but I, you just know that. I would be so sh shocked, right? You get to heaven, you see people just moping around, moping around. What's going on? It's a bad day. We're having a bad day up here. You know, the angels, they, they mess things up, and it's just, I just want to go to my mansion and relax. I just, I just got to go sleep. No, 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 man, they're having fun in heaven. Yeah. I said they're having fun in heaven because in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Isn't that right? Man, oh, man, oh, man. In his presence, fullness of joy. Hallelujah. They're full and overflowing with the joy of the Lord. And he wants to be our joy. He wants to be our joy. He wants to be our peace. And he wants to be overflowing out of our lives. And that's how it gets out 
out of the church, goes out into the streets, the highways and the byways, and man just sweeps people off their feet. Just sweeps them off their feet. Let that life of God, that presence of God, just see, so overflowing out of your life, it just sweep people off their feet. They can't help but come to Jesus. They can't help but come and get saved because His goodness is just so good in and through your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus Christ of Nazareth went about doing good. and healing. healing all those who are oppressed by the yeah. devil. Yeah. Because God was with him. That's what the Bible says. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He went about doing good. That's what he does. And healing those who are oppressed of the devil. And like we said last night, sometimes... You have to deal with the devil to be able to walk in the healing that God wants you to have. Sometimes you have to deal with the devil. Like I said last night, you know, sometimes the enemy, he just uses one of his fiery darts of sickness, disease, some kind of infirmity. He fires that fiery dart. It hits a person. Now they got symptoms. They got problems in their body. If their faith didn't quench it, thank God we got faith to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. You know, the devil should never get you nervous. You know, hear, hearing about the devil should never get you nervous. You don't understand how much Jesus just defeated him and whipped him. And he put him under our feet. Devil's under our feet. So there's no, there's no fear of him. But we're not to be ignorant of his devices. We need to be aware of him and understand how he works. And understand what we must do to be able to trample on him. To just trample on him and overcome all the lying symptoms, all the lies, all the worries, all the oppression that he tries to throw at us. We need to know how to trample on it. So in order to know, we got to talk about him a little bit. And so we're not devil conscious. We're God conscious, but we need to be aware of demons. Demons are real. They're the root of all our problems in life. You understand? Demons causing people to be tempted, to do wrong, to think wrong, to act wrong. See, it's demons behind it that are causing so much of the problems in the world today. But thank God, you and I don't have to yield to the devil. We don't have to be victims of them. We don't have to be victims of the devil. Praise God forever. We've already got the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we just are learning to walk in that victory. So sometimes he'll shoot a fiery dart at somebody and uh, either your faith will quench it or medical science can help you. Thank God for medical science. Like I said last night, it's a gift from God. And so that can help you and, and, and undo what Satan wrought in a person's life. And then, of course, there's just healing in the human body that God built into us. Like we said, if you cut yourself, then that blood clots. And next thing you know, before you know it, there's a scab. And then there's no smooth and no scab. And next to skin, it's like it's never happened. And that's just an amazing thing. That's something to give God thanks for all the time. I mean, there's just healing in our body. He, he wants us healthy. He wants us strong. He built healing into us. He gave us medical science. And above all these things, we've got the shield of faith, which can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Hallelujah. But then sometimes it's not just a matter of a fiery dart. The devil has a strong hold on a person's life. He's got a strong hold on their life. And his presence, that demonic spirit's presence, is the cause of the problem. It's not just a fiery dart that he shot at him and then took off, you know, like a hit and run. No, no, he's got a strong hold on their life. And so when there's a strong hold of the devil, 
How many people know nothing's too strong for the Lord? The Lord is stronger. And I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Why don't you say that? I am strong in the Lord and the power of His Say it again. Hallelujah. That's right. We're strong. So we can break any stronghold. We just can't be ignorant of it. That's all it is. Just be aware of these things. And sometimes you have to tell the demon, the evil spirit or spirits to leave. Sometimes you got to command the demons to go. And sometimes they'll try to come back. But you got to stand against them and just say, oh, no, no, you don't. You have no place in my life. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Praise God forever. And of course, that starts with giving your life to the Lord. Repenting, turning your life over to the Lord. And when you repent, turn your life over to the Lord, you just disconnect from Satan. You disconnect from his kingdom and now you're connected to the Lord Jesus and the kingdom of God. And now his life can really begin to work in you. But then, you know, even Christians, sometimes, you know, they miss it. They mess up and they don't repent. They continue in wrongdoing. They continue. God shows them, don't go that way anymore. Don't walk that way. Don't, don't follow that path anymore. That's, that's less than the best. And sometimes God shows us what not to do by showing us what to do. That's really what he does because he's so good. Many times he doesn't even point out the negative. He just points out the better. Do you get that? He doesn't, he doesn't sit there and harp on that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. Stop that. That's bad. That is bad, bad, bad. Now, God just says, this is good. This is good. This is good. This is the way. Walk ye in this. I've got something better. So that you get your eyes off that and you move on in to the better that he has for you. But some Christians, you know, they continue in this nonsense. So even after go, God shows them something so much better. And they just, they just get stuck over here. And it gives place to the devil to be able to oppress them, to afflict them, to cause problems for them. But as soon as they acknowledge where they've missed it, they repent. They turn back to him and they walk free of those things. Command the devil, I'm done. I renounce Satan. I renounce the devil. You know, that's what repenting of sin is. It's, it's renouncing the sin, thus renouncing your connection to the devil. Because that's what sin is. It's a devil connector. Break every devil connector. Break every devil connector. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, show me the better way. Glory to God. And as soon as he shows it to you, turn to it, run to it, and break that connection. Break off that connection. Old things have passed away. Hallelujah. All things have become new. I'm going to walk in the new that God has for you. So thank God we could take authority over the enemy and drive him out. Jesus many times had to do that. Many times. Jesus in healing people. He had to deliver them first. He had to drive out the evil spirits. We see a case of this over in Mark the fifth chapter. In verse 1 of Mark, the fifth chapter. Then they came to the other side of the sea. To the country of the Gadarians. When he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Last night we saw that there was a woman. She was bent over for 18 years. She couldn't straighten herself up. And Jesus said she was bound by Satan. Satan had bound her. But oh, thank God with one word, glory to God, Jesus loosed her. Yeah. 
I mean, 18 years of suffering in just one moment. He said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And she came straight up. She was completely healed after 18 years. Oh, glory to God. It doesn't matter how long you've been struggling. It doesn't matter how long it's been. What does that got to do with Jesus? When you get one word from him, when you get a revelation from him, the power of the Holy Spirit goes to work in your life and will straighten any crooked place out. Immediately. Immediately. Amen? So here, this man had an unclean spirit. Unclean, we could say dirty. Unclean spirit is a devil. So we can just say he's a dirty devil. He's a dirty devil. You know the devil's a dirty devil? I think there are some devils that specialize in uncleanness, trying to make people unclean, making people live a dirty, filthy life, you know, because that gives more place to more demons. See, the more the devil can get people to live unclean and dirty, the more he can swing the door open for more devils to come in. And that's exactly what happened to this man. This man had this unclean spirit. And verse 3 says, who had his dwelling among the tombs. He liked hanging around dead, the dead. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. Now listen to this. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Have you ever met anybody that couldn't be tamed? You know, you tried to straighten them out and bless God, you just couldn't do it. Wives, stop looking at your husbands. <laughs> husbands and wives are turning to each other like crazy in this place. I've been trying to tame Alfred over here for so long. <laughs> Who had his dwelling among, no one could bind him with chains. Verse 4. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart. Chains pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. He was self-destructive. Just self-destructive. But notice, this man has an unclean spirit. He's possessed of the devil. And notice the supernatural power that's working in him. How many people believe this story? How many people believe, half of you, how many people believe, bless God, how many people believe this story? Okay, just help me. I didn't, because I don't want to have to go back and, you know, just start with why Jesus came and just <laughs> go to the cross, you know. All right, so we believe. We believe the Bible. And, and how many people know, you know, uh, this can happen. People can have supernatural powers by Satan. Yeah, uh, you know, and a lot of people, even unbelievers, people that don't know the Lord, they'll believe that. They believe in, you know, people having the power of Satan operated in their life. Well, friend, if the devil could manifest, manifest in a person's life like that, and break shackles and chains to pieces. How much more can the Holy Spirit manifest and break any kind of shackle, any kind of change, any kind of bondage that the devil might have somebody bound with? How much more? 
And if this guy can be out there in his little church, which was the tombs, day and night out there praising Satan, worshiping the devil, and carrying on like that, how much more you and I can day and night praise him, magnify him, and expect him to show up in our life. The devil showed up in this guy's life. Everybody knew about the power. Everybody in that region, they knew about this guy. They knew that he had these supernatural powers and that demons were manifesting in him. Well, why not people find out about you? That you got issues. That you're full of God. Huh? That you're so full of the life of God, he's manifesting out of you all the time. Nobody can stop you. No doubt, none belief, no persecution, no ridicule can shut you down. No threat by the government or any can stop you from lifting your voice, magnifying your God, and demonstrating His goodness in your life. Hallelujah! I mean, if a devil-possessed guy can do it, how much more us? Because we got a greater spirit than him. We got a much greater spirit than he had. And so uh, the Bible says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus, now watch this, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. He saw Jesus from afar and he ran and worshipped him. How many people know demons don't worship Jesus? No, no, friend, this is the man. This is the man being bound by demons. This is this man who is completely overcome by the devil. When he saw Jesus, he ran to him. He ran to him, fell down before him, and started worshiping him. In all his pain, in all his torment, all his anguish, all his suffering, he's worshiping Jesus. He worshiped him. He wor ran and he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, I beg you, by God, that you do not torment me. Who's this talking? This is the devil using this man's voice. This devil has such control over this man's life that he's actually able to speak through his mouth. That's how much control he had over him. And yet even with all that control, this man, when he saw Jesus, resisted the devil enough to be able to run to Jesus and worship him. He knew where his help came from. And he ran to the Lord. And of course, the devils are freaking out. Where are you going? Because they're in him and they don't want to go near Jesus. Ah! He's running to Jesus. And the demons are freaking out. And the man who's been tormented falls down before Jesus. And then the demons go, oh, don't torment us. See, they've been tormenting this man. And now they realize they're coming in the presence of torment. You know, it's time to turn the torment around. It's trying to turn the torment. It's time to turn the torment on the tormentor. It's time to cause him who has been the tormentor to be tormented. I beg you, don't torment us. 
Oh, we're supposed to have compassion on you. You haven't had compassion on that guy. You've been tormenting him. But that man got himself in the presence of Jesus. What's our excuse? I don't care how bad things can get. Glory be to God. There's no excuse. We can get to Jesus. If this man can get to Jesus, we can run to Jesus. We got time for Jesus. We're going to get to him. And so the demons cry out. We beg you not to torment us. And verse 8, for he had said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. So Jesus commanded the demons come out and the demons are resisting him. They're saying, oh, please, please, please don't torment us. And, and then he asked him, verse 9, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. We are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. They like they liked the country that they were in. You know, because apparently a lot of people in that country gave them place, yielded to them, allowed them to be able to move around. You know, demons are, are getting more and more comfortable with America. There was a time where demons would probably rather not be here. They'd rather be in another country where they're worshiping all kinds of idols, false gods, all kinds of crazy things and doing all kinds of dirty things. But as America's becoming more and more dirty, demons are starting to get more and more comfortable here. And so, you know, they're starting to like it in America, see? But thank God the church is going to wake up here. This church is awake, and we're waking up even more. Hallelujah. And the alarm is being sounded. And may a great revival come. Waken the church of the living God to rise up and drive these demons out. Take charge of our nation once again. Hallelujah. But, you know, the devil... He, there's certain places he doesn't want to be cast out of. Does the devil feel comfortable at your house? The devil should not feel comfortable in your house. There should be nothing in your house, no paraphernalia, nothing in your house that enables demons, that allows demons to move and manifest in your life. Man, devils, they try to mess with us. They come around our house, you know, because they have, they got to do it, you know. They've got to try I mean, that's just what they got to do. But I know the devil don't like it. He don't like coming around my house. Amen. He don't like coming around these parts. There's a sheriff on duty. Huh? Sometimes I just stand out the front door of my house like this. The devil's driving by, you know. You just kind of stand there. Devil looks and knows, nah, I don't think we're going to stop at that house. That, that guy's got problems. <laughs> He's got Jesus. Hallelujah. He got the B-I-B-L-E. He got the word of God loaded in his mouth. And he's ready to speak it. Praise God. So we should never let the devil feel uh, comfortable in our country, in our church, and in our homes, can you say amen? He's looking for a nice, comfy place. And we got to make it a very dry and water, waterless place for demons. Well, he looks for dry and waterless places. we gotta keep it, We got to keep it full of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Wet with the dew of heaven all the time. We're in the river, glory be to God. And devils can't swim, so they don't like the river. Praise God. 
So anyway, you know, Jesus ends up casting these demons out and they go into this herd of swine that's just minding their own business up here on the hill. And, and, and the demons go in. I mean, you talk about an impartation. These swine got an impartation of demonic powers, man. Demons went into them and those demons went running down the hill into the, into the lake there and drowned. I mean, that was an impartation, you know. If demons can go in and give impartations to swine, how much more can God manifest? and impart power, impart things into people's lives that bless them and strengthen them, heal them and help them. Amen? That's what he's been doing all week. Glory be to God. But I wanted you to notice that this man got delivered by the Lord Jesus after he fell down and worshipped him. He worshipped him. Over in Matthew chapter 8, there was a leper. I mentioned him last night. Matthew, the eighth chapter, and in verse one, it says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him. Here's this man covered with a leprosy. But when he comes to Jesus, what does he do? He worships him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy was cleansed. Immediately, the man was here. Again, here we see Jesus laying his hands on this man, and Jesus answering the question, is it his will? Is it God's will for you to be healed? Jesus answered it right here, because he's no respecter of person. What he did for this man, he does for all. And he said, yes, I am willing. And the man was healed. Praise God. Sometimes that's a big stumbling block for people. They don't know if God's willing. They believe, oh, God's got the power. I'm just not sure if he loves me enough. Or I'm not sure if he likes me enough. You know, I think God might be mad at me. And he might not want to bless me. But that's not the Lord, friend. If you can believe in his goodness, then you can receive it. God is good to all. He wants you healed. He wants you blessed. This man was completely healed. But before he was healed, he came and worshipped him. And then uh, a ruler of the synagogue came to Jesus over in Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew chapter 9. And in verse 18, while he spoke these things to them, Jesus is teaching, Jesus is preaching. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose, followed him, and so did his disciples. And Jesus did go and he raised this girl back up to life again. Raised her from the dead. Praise God. But before that happened, how did this man approach Jesus? How did this man approach Jesus? He approached Jesus the same way the leper approached Jesus. He approached Jesus the same way that demon-possessed man approached Jesus. He worshipped him. He came and he worshipped him. Worship, worship connects us to the Lord connects us to his presence and to his power. And then last night, I mentioned, mentioned also briefly that Canaanite woman. 
whose daughter was severely demon-possessed. Well, notice her in Matthew chapter 15. 15, and in verse 24. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came. Now, she, he's, he's basically given her the cold shoulder, it looks like. Now, Jesus, you know, has ulterior motives here. He's trying to, to get her over into a place of humility. And he's just being brutally honest with her. Just brutally honest. That's what he's doing. And in being brutally honest with her, she came to her senses. She shook off the pride, and she got real before the Lord. And notice the next thing she did. I mean, he just gave her the cold shoulder. I was not sent. She's coming to him crying out for help. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She didn't just say, Lord, help me. She worshipped him. She worshipped him, just like the leper worshipped him, just like the ruler of the synagogue worshipped him, just like the demon-possessed man worshipped him. Friend, you and I need to know how to worship God because he's worthy. Do we know who we are approaching here when we're talking about God, when we're talking about the Lord Jesus? We're talking about our Creator. We're talking about our deliverer. We're talking about the one that holds the breath in our nostrils. He is our life. He is our everything. We need to be able to throw ourselves down before him and worship him and surrender all to him and give him all the honor and all the glory that he deserves. Holding nothing back from him. Lord, I worship you. I surrender myself to you. I give myself to you. The Bible says over in Romans chapter eight, uh, 12, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your what? Your bodies. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. But that word reasonable can be translated Spiritual, and is translated spiritual in, I think it's the NIV Bible and some other translations. And that word service can also be translated and is translated in other translations as worship. He says, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Give him your body. Worship him with your life. Surrender yourself to him. We want healing for our body. We want the Lord to help us. We want the Lord living in our bodies. We want him strengthening us. We want him empowering us. That is not a problem from him. He can do that. He wills to do that. He wants to do that. He's provided it for us already through Jesus. What he needs from us is surrender. 
Faith surrenders itself to him. Faith believes that he is. That he is. That he is God. And he is awesome. And when you know that he is, and you know that he is God, then you worship him. You present your body to him. You yield your members to him. You give yourself over to him. Honoring him. Exalting him above everything else in this world. Everything else in your life. Hallelujah. That's worshiping God. If a demon possessed man can do it. If a leper can do it. If an Old Testament legal rule, legalistic ruler of the synagogue can do it. If, these, if this Canaanite woman who didn't even know her covenant, didn't even have a covenant with God, she wasn't a part of Israel, if she can do it, if she didn't have enough sense to fall down and worship him, how much more you and I? And I think a lot of what we call worship today is entertainment. And it's more about how it makes us feel than how it makes him feel. We love the feeling. You know, why do people go to a rock concert? Why do they go to a rock concert? Why do they do that? Why do they, why do they get there and, and, you know, and they, and they, you know, now today they lift their cell phones, you know. They wave their cell phone lights in that dark congregation out there. Yeah, you know, they, they used to raise their cigarette lighters before there were cell phones, you know. And, you know, it's almost like, it's like worship. See, there's just this atmosphere. They just love that atmosphere that that music just creates, that euphoric feeling that they just experience in that atmosphere of their form of praise and worship. A lot of that has crept into the church. And a lot of the church world, that's what it is. It's just entertainment and it's about making me feel good. I really like that praise and worship. You ever hear anybody say that? I really like that praise. It's not about you liking it. You're not the one being praised or worshiped. It's not about you liking it. It's about him liking it. See, we get the whole thing so twisted. So twisted. Oh, I just love praise and worship. You know, uh, there was a season when we first started the church where the Lord, he, he wouldn't have us have musical instruments. And that went on for several years. And he, did, he didn't want that. He didn't want that. He wanted us to just be able to, to worship him without any crutches. Without, and it, be, it could become a crutch to us. If you have to have music to worship him, you don't know him. You don't know him like you need to know him. I got news for you. Uh, Peter wasn't over there on the drums and John on the guitar. When that leper came up, and fell down and worshiped Jesus. <laughs> That's not what happened. I mean, I mean, that demon-possessed guy, he's like, he heard the music. I love that music. Where's that coming from? I'm going to stop cutting myself and go find out where that music's coming from. And he goes running down there, and the disciples, there they are on the beach. You know, They just got out of the boat. And he just fell down and he just couldn't help himself. He had to worship. No. No, 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 no. We worship him because we believe. We have faith in him. He is. He's real to us. He's real to us. Oh, holla. We're talking about getting our bodies over 
into his care, into his hands where he can get in there and he can fix things. And he can keep it fixed. Some of you got some things fixed. How about keeping it fixed? Don't you want to see it continue to stay fixed and everything in your body working in the perfection in which God created it to work? Worship him. Keep your body presented to him as a living sacrifice. Holy, holy, pleasing to him, pleasing to him. And so, yeah, we sing and we worship and the Bible talks about bringing in instruments to assist, not to be a crutch, but to assist our faith, to assist our worship, to assist our love for him. But watch about just watching when the music is playing and fall back into just a worldly entertainment mentality. It don't have to be that way. I said it don't have to be that way. You can take hold of the word and the exhortation that's in the music and you can get your focus on him and just enter in, enter in to worshiping him and just loving on him and just surrendering yourself to him. You know, the prayer of surrender which is a prayer of consecration, that's a prayer that you can pray continuously. Jesus prayed it, in fact, three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. He elevated the Father's will above his own will. That's worship. He worshiped God in that garden. At one point, Jesus, he fell on his face, fell on his face and said, oh, Father, oh, Father, if there's any way, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he consecrated himself to the Lord. He surrendered himself to, to the Father. And you and I can pray that. If Jesus could pray it three times, you and I could pray that three times, four times, five. It's a continual surrendering to him, a continual laying our life down to him, worshiping him, exalting him above everything and everyone in this world. Did you get that? Worshiping, exalting him above everything and everyone in this world that he becomes bigger than, in our eyes than anything else. Even our physical condition. Even our, even whatever condition, whatever kind of demonic condition, whatever kind of demonic thing you may have experienced or experiencing. Let God, through worship, become bigger, become greater. And when God becomes God before you, oh, hallelujah, nothing is impossible. All things are possible. Anything can change. Things can be changed in a moment. Healing can flow without any problems when God is greater than the problem. Hallelujah. Oh, lift him up above the problems. Lift him up above everything else. We got to learn to worship him. Job did that. Job was attacked terribly. I mean, here this man was living in peace and in prosperity and Satan found doors open in his life and came and attacked came and attacked him, and he plundered him financially. I mean, within a day, Job was broke. All his businesses were destroyed. Everything was stolen from him. Thieves came in and plundered him. 
His children were killed. A, a roof fell on top, wind blew, and a roof fell and killed his children. Then his body became afflicted. And the Bible says, Job fell down and worshipped God. He worshipped God. He worshipped God. In the midst of his affliction, he worshipped God. And friend, I got news for you. By the time you get to the end of the book, Job is twice the blessed man that he was before Satan ever attacked him. He's twice the blessed man. God restored everything to him. God healed him. And God prospered him even more than he was prosper. And he was already the most prosperous man in the East. He was the richest man in the East, the Bible said. And now he's double that. So he had a really bad year. But God came and manifested in his life in a great way. But first, what did Job do? He worshipped him. He worshipped him. We've got to get beyond the... You know, hand clap and toe stomp. Don't get me wrong, we gotta we know we gotta do it. Clap ye hands, all ye people. That's what the Bible says. You know, I'm not speaking against anything. Clap your hands, tap your toes, but then keep going. Don't just get your toes wet. That's getting your toes wet. We gotta learn to go out into the deep water. The Bible says deep calls to deep. God wants the deep of you. God wants to connect with that inner part of you. He wants you to completely surrender yourself to him in worship. Can you say amen? amen? And I just believe as we worship him tonight, God's going to move in a mighty way in people's lives. Are you ready to worship him? Are you stirred up from the word of God? Is your faith stirred up to worship him tonight? Praise God. Why don't we stand on our feet right now? Oh, thank you, Lord. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.